Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. It is Wednesday, June 2nd, 2021. This is the Red Sea Roundup. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Deacon Mike Beauvais. Today, we're going to have a great show. We're going to talk about Catholic homeschooling. And some of our guests are going to be Angela Okonski, Katie Karasik, Robin Romanski. And we're going to talk about some of the challenges of homeschooling your children in a world that has a totally different perspective than we normally do as Catholics. But before we get into this, as always, uh, I want to welcome everybody listening to us on KEDC 88.5 FM, Hearn, Bryan College Station. Also welcome our Central Texas listeners on KYAR 98.3 FM, Lorena, Waco. And a shout out to our folks in Palestine on KINF 107.9 FM. We're live this morning, so if there's something going on in your parish you want to share with us, feel free to give us a call on 85-LOVE-RED-C. That's 855-683-7332. And as a surprise this morning, I'm joined in the studio not by Thaddeus Romanski, our station director, but by the president himself, Dennis Maka. Sorry, folks. Not Thaddeus. Just me. Howdy, everyone. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing very well. A little sleepy, but that's what happens when you don't get enough sleep. You know, grace follows on nature. Yes. And that's it what is, I've heard. Well, the thing is, you know, <laughs> you can always take a nap during the show. You know, we're just going to keep this going. And, you know, when we hear snoring, we'll hit your mute button. Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Appreciate uh, it. Since we are still in the year of St. Joseph, before we get too far into the show, why don't we pray the prayer of St. Joseph? And let us begin in the name of the Father, Father the Son, Son and Holy the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. O blessed St. Joseph, faithful guardian of my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, protector of your chaste spouse, the Virgin Mother of God, I choose you this day to be my special patron and advocate, and I firmly resolve to honor you all the days of my life. Therefore, I humbly call on you to receive me as your adopted child, to instruct me in every doubt, to comfort me in every affliction, to obtain from me all the knowledge and love of the sacred heart of Jesus, and finally, to defend and protect me at the hour of my death. Amen. Amen. Name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now... June is normally the month when, if there are changes in pastors in the Austin Diocese, this is where we find out that we have changes. We've had quite a few. And we have had quite a few. This is the perfect opportunity for us to be reminded how important it is to pray for vocations. We don't have any priests if we don't have any vocations to the priesthood. And so I urge all of our listeners... Take a moment every day to say a quick prayer that we have the vocations that we need to the priesthood. So we will always have holy priests to say mass for us. 
But also, since we're talking about the year of St. Joseph, and it's always uh, interesting to me that we do call our priests father, and St. Joseph was the adopted father of our Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes we fail to recognize how important fathers are in our society. It has been so dismissed of late that anybody can do the job, and I want to give you all some numbers to point out how that is a falsity. Back in 1997, there was a study done in Switzerland. It wasn't published till the year 2000. But what they looked at is the effect of mothers and fathers on the religious life of their children. You'll be fascinated by these numbers. uh, One of the things they found, if both father and mother attend church regularly, 33% of their children will end up as regular churchgoers, Mm -hmm. and 41% will end up attending irregularly. Only a quarter of their children will end up not practicing at all. Now, if the father is an irregular church attender and mother is regular, only 3% of the children will subsequently become regulars themselves, while a further 59% will become irregulars. 38% will be lost. That's quite a difference. A huge difference. Wait till you hear the end of this. Okay. If the father is non-practicing and the mother is a regular practicer, only 2% of children will become regular worshipers. Hmm. 37% will attend irregularly, over 60% of their children will not attend at all. Now, it's the surprising thing. What happens if the father is a regular attender, but the mother is irregular or not practicing at all? Okay. Amazingly, the percentage of children becoming regular churchgoers goes from 33% to 38%, with the irregular mother not going uh, so often, mm-hmm. but up to 40% with the non-practicing. So if the mother is not practicing at all, the number actually goes up if the father regularly attends Mass. Yeah. This suggests that the loyalty of the father's commitment grows in response to the mother's laxity or indifference to religion. We, Picks up the slack. Exactly. We need fathers in our children's lives to be faithful if we Mm -hmm. expect our children to go to church, to practice their faith. So the relationship with Father on earth oftentimes is parallel to the relationship of God the Father. Exactly. And this, again, is why it is so important that we understand the relationship of God as Father. We so often think this uh, some kind of patriarchal structure. It is not. It is God understands us as human beings. He knows what pushes our buttons. He has set up the world to operate to the best possible. Mm -hmm. Of course, allowing for our craziness to do whatever we want to do. But God has set it up so that our influence, and this is why I think St. Joseph is so important. When we talk about St. Joseph and his role in Jesus's life, It isn't just nominal. 
St. Joseph was there for an, a significant reason, to nurture Jesus in his early years, but also to set an example for all fathers, how important it is to demonstrate being faithful. St. Joseph is always res, uh, regarded as a righteous man, a man in right relationship with God. All fathers need to be righteous men. All fathers need to be in the right relationship with God if we expect our children to grow up in a righteous relationship with God. We so often dismiss this in our culture because we think everybody can do everything. Mm -hmm. It's a lie. We all know it. We all have our limitations, but we also ha all have our strength. We all have what we are there for. God has a plan for us. All we have to do is accept what that plan is to serve our role as it has been given to us rather than trying to figure out what we want to do because that is not always the right thing. Let's be faithful. Whether we are fathers, mothers, priests, or deacons, or just regular lay people in church, mm -hmm. let us always be faithful examples of what it means to serve our Lord. Yeah, I think as we've looked at struggles with infidelity and we're all so quick to point the finger at other people, we're so reluctant to really look at ourselves, you know, while we haven't been faithful, we may have been faithful in the big things. We also need to look at all the little things that we've not been faithful to. Yes. Not just our, our relationship with our spouse, but just duties in general in life, you know? Yes, and we have to be honest with ourselves. Why are we doing what we're doing? And uh, especially, you know, with us coming out of this pandemic, hopefully, uh, and the call to return to mass, we have to be honest with ourselves. You know, there are people with honest concerns about their health, mm -hmm. understandable, but there are also people who think that they have an honest concern with their health because it's easier. Sure. And so we need to be honest with ourselves. Why am I not returning to Mass? And if it's more convenient to turn EWTN on Sunday morning rather than to get the kids dressed and go to church, we have to be honest with ourselves and say that's not what I should be doing. And so, At that point, you're just checking a box. Exactly. So, again, this, the whole point of the study is to demonstrate how our faithfulness affects our children. And so I urge everyone, take a look at your lives, take a look at your homes, and say, hey, I can do better. And Indeed. we all can do better. Indeed. Now I have Good one study. more thing to talk about. Okay. And uh, St. Anthony's here in Bryan is going to start their vacation Bible school. That's right. There's a lot of places that are June starting. June 21st through 25th. Now, St. Anthony's is not the only church that's right. going to have vacation Bible school. And so I'm going to make a general statement here. Okay. Every single one of these parishes is going to need volunteers. <laughs> you think? I th don't just think. I know. Yeah. So this, again, is one of these things that... We have a choice. We can send our kids to vacation Bible school, or we can take an active part in this. If we send our kids to vacation Bible school, we are telling our kids this is important for you. 
if we volunteer at Vacation Bible School, we're telling our kids this is important to me. So I urge all the parents to look at your calendars, look at your schedules, and see whether or not you can help. It's very rewarding. I mean, my kids just love Vacation Bible School when they were attending, but they even more so love volunteering because, I mean, come on, these kids are so just darn cute. Yes. (laughs) They really are. And I think one of the great blessings about Vacation Bible School is to see the perspectives of the children, because children are far more trusting than we are as adults. You tell them about Jesus and they understand what trusting Jesus is all about. Right. And so we can all learn something from volunteering at Vacation Bible School. If nothing, how to take our faith on trust, mm-hmm. how to just jump in with both feet and be happy to do it. I think Jesus had a few words, something, you know. Something along yeah. the line of, you know, one, let the children come to me, but yeah. also you must be like these little yes. ones yes. to enter the kingdom of God. Loosen up, people. Have some fun. Come that, on. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> this is the other thing. We can use some fun. Yes. And we can use some community. So not only will you be helping out the kids and helping out the parish, but you're going to make some new friends. You're going to get to know some new people, some new parishioners, and sometimes even people that are not parishioners that mm-hmm. come and volunteer because they see the stuff on Facebook. Yeah. So, Do we have to – you want to, You listed the dates for St. Anthony. So – I would challenge any uh, parishes out there that you've got a vacation Bible school coming up. Let Red Sea know so we mm-hmm. can promote it ASAP. We'd be glad to do that. Right. And uh, I'm sure all the parishes will have their dates on the calendar. And one thing we are mentioning fun. Can I mention our family fun day? Why, certainly, because we're going to have fun. We are having a Red Sea Family Fun Day at Henderson Park in Bryan on June 26th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. I mean, we're talking about volleyball, horseshoe, basketball, gaga ball, if you even know what that is. We're going to have live music. We're going to have arts and crafts. We're going to have arts and crafts demos, playground, cornhole, bring your own food and drink. Oh, oh my gosh, it's going to be so much fun. So... June 26th, save the date, 9 to 3. And uh, we're hoping to, to duplicate this. We're going to be doing this in the Central Texas area with time to come. But uh, we've got to crawl before we can walk. So we're going to have our family fun day here, June 26th. Hundreds of people we want there. We want hundreds of people there. Just hundreds, not thousands? Let's bring it on. All right. We're going to go to a quick break, and we will come back on the other side and talk about Catholic homeschooling. I can't wait. And we are back. This is the Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Deacon Mike Beauvais. And as promised, we are joined in the studio by Katie Karasik, Angela Okonski, and Robin Romanski. Robin is Thaddeus's much better half. And uh, we're going to be talking about homeschooling from a Catholic perspective. Before we get into this, Angela handed me the dates for the Vacation Bible Schools 
in the other parishes here in the Bryan College Station area, at least St. Joseph's is June 14th through the 18th. St. Thomas Aquinas, their vacation Bible school is July 12th through the 16th. And um, check them out if you're members of that parish. Even if you're not members of the parish, they need volunteers. So check it out. Good morning, ladies. How is everybody? Doing well. Good morning. Great. Thank you for having us. All right. We're going to go down so everybody recognizes your voices. Robin, introduce yourself. Well, good morning. I'm Robin Romanski. And yes, I'd agree this morning that I'm Thaddeus's better half. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he did something. No, I'm teasing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. Do you want anything else right now or just... How many kids do you have? We have five children from... 12 down to one and a half. How long have you been homeschooling? Them? And we have been homeschooling since our oldest started kindergarten. So I think that's like eight or nine years. Okay. I think we're coming up on the ninth year. All right. Angela, introduce yourself. I'm Angela Okonski. Uh, my husband, Tony, and I have four kids. Our oldest just finished third grade and our youngest is one. And we've been homeschooling for six years now. And Katie? Hello, Katie Karasik. My husband, Joe, and I have three kids, and they all just had birthdays, so I have to get this right. They're, they're 15, 13, and 10. So we just finished up ninth grade, 7th grade, and 4th grade, and we've been homeschooling the whole time. So do the math. <laughs> However many years that is. Uh, so what made you decide to homeschool rather than to send them to public school or even a private school? I'll start with that one. My sister is my greatest influence. My older sister has seven kids. She had her fifth by the time I had my first. And so I had years of watching her homeschool and seeing all the amazing things that she did. And that was my inspiration. And I went to her and said, what should I do? And she handed me the book, The Well-Trained Mind, and said, do this. And I said, okay. That was the beginning of our journey, and it's been wonderful. So your sister... Set an example for you. Set an excellent example for me, yes. Angela, what about you? Well, for us, when I first brought it up, Tony was pretty reluctant. Uh, I brought it up when Mary was a toddler. I was homeschooled as a child um, part of the time, and I knew the benefits of it, and I knew we could do it. And uh, Tony, the more I talked to him about it, the more he came around, and he's actually more... Uh, adamant that we homeschool our kids now than I am, I think. Um, so I did have the influence of being homeschooled, but also we knew so many homeschool families and my dad was on the state board and we just were familiar with it and we knew the benefits of it and wanted our kids to have the best educators and we thought that was us. Did Tony have any history with homeschooling? Nope, at all? Uh, that's why he was reluctant. Mm-hmm. But uh, now he's uh, come around and oh, he's... Yes. Yes. Yes, most definitely. (laughs) Robin, what about you guys? And for us, you know, ours is a little different story because we didn't have any um, any background with families we knew or uh, in our own families. Thaddeus and I were both educated in Catholic schools from kindergarten through high school. And so homeschooling was on the radar because Thaddeus was a a high school history teacher in public schools in Colorado when we met. So he he said, even when we were dating, that we would either send them to Catholic school or if we couldn't afford that, we would homeschool. 
And I thought, sure. That was down the road. Right. (laughs) And then when the time came, I really just think, you know, the Lord provided us with the right interactions. You know, the Holy Spirit knew how to place that um, conviction on on my heart. And then the right people and the right information just came across our radar. Certainly it was providentially um, so that we could do it. How did you decide on a curriculum? Because, I mean, there's so many options out there. How do you choose which yeah. you're going to pick? I, I can start on that because I think it is, for me, maybe that's the most, that was the most overwhelming part or has been the most overwhelming part of homeschooling. Um, there is. There's so much out there and there's so many wonderful resources out there. And so many fantastic families that are using a variety of them. So they're all good. You know, many of them are good. Um, for for us, we had just talked about the idea of homeschooling. Our oldest is an August birthday. And so we weren't ready to send him to kindergarten. So I thought, oh, this will be perfect. I can tiptoe in homeschooling and I'll just do it this year. How hard can kindergarten be? And which is how I started. And when I did, I had just come across other people that were using a few of the things that I, that I chose for us. And I was good with that for that year. And then I felt overwhelmed, like I needed to, I wasn't doing enough. So then I tried to add in all the things that everybody else was doing that were good. And then I was overwhelmed (laughs) with too much and, and realized actually less is more in, especially in those early years. So that's, for us, it was just a, a little bit of a trial and error. Angela, a similar story or? Well, for us, we um, approached it as what philosophy do we have about education? What is education? For, what kind of education do we want for our kids? And I agree with Robin. There are so many beautiful, amazing, incredible resources out there. It can get really overwhelming. And similar, you look at all these families that seem to, know what they're doing, and then you try to add it in, um, and it can get overwhelming. But what we did is we wanted something that was classically based. And the reason is, is we wanted to not only form our children in the faith, but we wanted to raise children that could think and reason themselves. And that was really important to us, aside from implementing the faith, is that it was classically based. And um, if you're not familiar with classical education, it's it's based on um, Plato's Republic, and the trivium and, and and it it starts with the basics and the humanities and the sciences and leads all the way up to ultimate truth, which is theology and philosophy, and it can get complicated. But that was that was the reasoning behind our curriculum choices. Katie. Beautifully stated, Angela. I don't want to have to follow that. <laughs> As I said, my sister handed me a copy of The Well Trained Mind by Susan Wise Bauer. Anyone out there listening who's familiar with that book is laughing at me because that's probably one of the most intimidating curriculum books out there. So number one rule of homeschooling is to be confident. Just have confidence in yourself. Number two is don't compare yourself to other homeschoolers, to their kids, to their classrooms. I'm a very decisive person for better or worse. So she handed me that book and I said, this is what we're going to do. And I didn't explore the thousands of options out there because, as Robin and Angela said, that can be overwhelming. With that particular approach, which is also a a classical education, I aim for about 60% of what that book says to do. And if we're accomplishing about 60%, then I think I'm giving my kids a pretty solid education. Now, 
One of the things I find interesting is that you all know each other. Yes. You talk, Mm -hmm. but you're not doing homeschooling the same way. Mm -hmm. And I find that fascinating because you're doing what works for you. Mm -hmm. And I think this is so important to remind parents who are going to be considering this that there isn't one right way to do this. And you don't have to have advanced degrees or education degrees. You, you, God gave these souls to you and your spouse for a reason. He entrusted them to you, and, and you're the best educators for them. Whether or not you homeschool, you're still the best educator for your child. Absolutely. We love our kids more than anyone else loves our kids. Exactly. And that right there makes us equipped to be their best teacher. And I think this is, you know, the church has always taught that the parents are the first and foremost educators of their children. And the beautiful thing about homeschooling is you accept that. You all are saying this is the truth. And so many parents nowadays have abdicated this. And you're even hearing things on the news about the state is best qualified to educate your children and they don't really belong don't get me started, to you. And so this is the counterpoint. This is the truth to these lies that we're hearing. Right. And I would say not just accept it, but we take that point from the church very seriously and, you know, not lightly in our in our homes and in regards to our homeschooling. And I was just reminded again of the verse in Deuteronomy chapter six, I believe it's verses six through nine, about how you are, you know, you know this this law is on upon your heart, and you are to teach it to your children well all the time, right? Um, so, as I look back over the years of our homeschool journey, much like Angela and Katie, you know it came together like it did for a reason for us, and God provided us with the tools so that we could be the primary educators of our children and be their best educators. Like just when we needed them, right? You know, they came across our right, our radar right at the right at the right time, um, as God does for us in in every area of our life. And now we're talking about all the wonderful aspects of homeschooling, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that there's challenges to this also. Yes. So. What's one of the challenges that you found when you started homeschooling? For me personally, it's you never get a break. You don't get to send your kids off to school and you get to drink a cup of coffee and and sit up and, and relax. I think for me personally, that's the biggest thing is that it can be overwhelming not having the break. But also dealing with the fact that you are on all day. You um, not only are trying to teach your kids the academic material, but you're trying to form them in virtue. So that means that you have to be virtuous. And, you know, the typical things with parenting, I think, for me personally, are the biggest challenges. But you brought up something absolutely wonderful, and that is that you have to be virtuous if you're going to teach virtue to your children. And I think this is, again, one of the things that is such a positive in homeschooling. The fact that where are your kids going to learn virtue in this world? If it's not at home. All right, Robin. And like Angela said, you know, you're on all the time. And so you might get an unfortunate phone call during the day or things are going to real life interrupt school differently than if they were 
away at school. But those are all opportunities for them to see it. I mean, you're modeling for them. How do we react to hard situations? What do we do when we receive bad news? How do we, how do we behave toward our neighbor when something unfortunate, a disagreement occurs? Uh, you know, so all of that is part of the education. And it really is, you know, an all-encompassing, everything's interconnected in a way that my education my formal education wasn't, you know, I didn't get to see all those facets coming together, but we're practicing it all, all the time, really, throughout the day. Well, that's fascinating that every interaction that you have during the day is part of the schooling process. How you interact with people on the phone, how you interact with a neighbor yelling for your kids to get off the lawn or whatever it happens to be. That's part of the education process. Right. And so that virtuous, that call to virtue for us is... Demanding. <laughs> Katie, what's the biggest challenge in homeschooling? The messy house. <laughs> <laughs> I clean it and I, I have to feed those kids three times a day, every day, right? So that was the perfect way to say it, Angela. You're on all the time. In fact, how many years have we been friends? I think this is the first time we've actually sat down to chat without a bunch of kids <laughs> running around. Um, but that's wonderful, too trying to chat with a bunch of kids running around. Um, I did. I, I thought, I've never had a lunch date with friends, but that's okay. That will come years from now. We'll do lunch dates all the time. So on the flip side of that, what have you found to be the greatest reward of homeschooling? Sleep. <laughs> we wake up whenever we need to wake up. Okay, we don't have to set our alarms if it's been a late night of baseball games or activities with friends. Field trips are fantastic. Field trips are probably my favorite part of homeschooling. I love field trips. Uh, And literature class. Uh, I love the books that I'm getting to read with my kids, especially as they're getting older, right? With the seventh grader and the ninth grader this year and the last couple of years, we read a lot of novels together. We talk about them. They don't have to write book reports. We just get to read books because we want to read books and then have conversations about them. And that's definitely my favorite part. Tell me your favorite book that you're reading right now. Oh, that's a hard one. Um, We just finished Death Comes for the Archbishop by Willa Cather. That was wonderful. And we started the year because I organize our literature list around what we're studying in history. I try to have those correspond. So we started the year with Willa Cather's Shadows on the Rock, which, if Catholics have never read that, is a fantastic book. It's Quebec during the French settlers, the French Jesuit missionaries. Uh, it was it was a beautiful read. And so, you're going to share your resource list with us, right? Of course I am. Angela, greatest reward in homeschooling. It's definitely hard to pick one. Um I, I agree with Katie, the flexibility of the schedule. And also, if you want to do a family vacation, you don't have to do it in the summer when everybody else is going on vacation. You can schedule it in the off season. Um, but yes, and, and you can do things throughout the day, like meet up with friends for a play date or stop by the Adoration Chapel. Or, But I would say probably the, the biggest reward is seeing in your kids, the way they learn, learning to um, adapt to them and how they learn and, and, and adjusting your homeschool 
to fit them and to challenge them. So like, for example, if one of them's getting frustrated with math, sometimes I can say, okay, let's take a break. Let's go outside for 15 minutes. Or I can say, you know what? Sometimes it's hard and frustrating, but we got to push through it. And learning those things about our kids and about ourselves too, um, to me, I, I think is, is a really beautiful reward. So what I'm hearing here is that in the learning process, you're getting to know your kids better. Absolutely. I think that's wonderful. Robin, greatest reward in homeschooling that you found so far? Okay, so I didn't get to share the hardest part. Okay. Uh, and so not. I and, and, okay. and I didn't yet, but I think it might be important because they both talked about some things and I and I think what I heard that wasn't addressed yet for me is like how do you run a daycare and teach 7th grade math <laughs> at the same time? You know, we we wouldn't ask and a kitchen and, and clean a the kitchen and right, right. Um, and be the head cook and <laughs> the nurse and the nurse and the laundromat. Uh, so I find that to be the challenging part for me with my range of ages mm-hmm. of children. So the one year old, well, she doesn't want to listen to read alouds. Everyone else does. So we have to place that while she's napping so that we can actually enjoy our read aloud. Right. So it's just figuring out the day and the challenges of scheduling so that we're learning at the most opportune time um, for our house at the time. And it changes because they change. Um, But the most rewarding part of homeschooling from the beginning to now, from when we first started, the best part of our day has always been the morning starting with our saint of the day. And so we have the Pauline Press Saints for Every Day Um, The title is Saints for Young Readers for Every Day. And we start our day with that saint of the day. If it's a patron saint or a a special name day for one of our children, I might have some other uh, further reading, more supplements to have with it. But if it's just a peculiar saint that we haven't learned much about, the little three paragraphs or four paragraphs for that entry that day might be all we um, discuss. And then we just, you know, call on that saint's intercession throughout the day. So in our prayer before our lunch meal, we'll, we'll ask for that saint to pray for us. We'll, if we have extra time, try to learn a little bit more about them, go deeper into some of our other books that have, uh, information about that particular saint or figure out where were they in history, what was happening at that time using our, you know, our timeline from our classical, model our education. So I think that's been the most rewarding, that time together, to learning about the lives of these, all these holy men and women that went ahead of us and seeing how they relate to some of the children differently and, and how my kids, the light bulbs go off that, wow, I could be a saint too. Even with my temper, I can be a saint. You know, I'm called to holiness, even though I'm kind of lazy. You know, I tend to be that way. So I think I think seeing that has been the, the most rewarding part. And seeing them teaching one another mm-hmm. has been beautiful for me. Um, yeah. Brings up a question. Uh, for instance, today, the saints are St. Marcellinus and Peter, martyrs. With the younger kids, how do you address some of the more complicated aspects of the saints and martyrs that we celebrate? Well, for us, even the the book, the Pauline Press book that I'm referring to, you know, it, it doesn't give necessarily all the details, but, you know, my four-year-old will walk around saying, 
you know, I know the best way to get to heaven. If I could just die for Jesus, then I could be in heaven. So he knows what martyrdom is. And and we do, you know, teach about it. Maybe not at the same depth that we would with the eighth grader. Right. So I don't know. I think, I think, you know, based on your children, what, what they're ready for, what they can handle. And each child is different, but then also I, I don't shy away from teaching them the truth when, when I believe they're ready for it. Angela or Katie, do y'all have similar? I, I, I know what you're referring to, or I think that you're referring to like some of the more gruesome martyrdom stories and, um, our, our girls know why Lucy's holding her eyeballs on a plate. I mean, they, I, I think kids for them, it's so simple that if you love Jesus, it doesn't matter. I'll do anything. I'll give them my eyeballs. I'll, like you said, your four-year-old is willing to say, I'm going to die because that's going to get me to heaven. So, you know, there probably are some artistic depictions that we steer away from at this age because our oldest is only nine. Um, So there is that aspect to consider, but we don't shy away. I mean, they know the story that Jesus died on a cross. He was whipped. He was beaten. He was crowned with thorns. And um, so the martyr stories just follow along what Jesus already did. Great answer. Um, Which brings up the next question I had. Uh, Our world's going crazy. And people talk about the strangest things. And... How do you protect the younger children from these crazy topics? And when do you talk to them about it? How do you choose? How do you decide? And one of the things I've heard is that you get to know your kids through homeschooling. You know which one is going to be ready to understand what you're trying to tell them at what point. So is it mainly a matter of getting to know the kids and knowing what to talk about when? That's a great way to phrase it. I don't know why I'm jumping in to tackle this question. I'm the wrong person to ask. I want my kids to hold on to their innocence as long as possible. Um, To answer that question very practically, we mute commercials. We don't really watch a lot of TV. We're pretty strict about movies and books and music, or I try to read reviews or we use filtering services. So from a practical standpoint, we do try to block what comes into our house. Um, from a spiritual standpoint, we stress to our children to come to us with questions. Don't go to Google. Come to us. If you hear about something, if you read about something and you don't know what it is, come to us. We want them to know that they can trust us, that they can come to us with those uncomfortable questions And I get very uncomfortable when it's time to answer them, but I stay calm and just, you know, pray to the Holy Spirit to give me the words to say. Uh, We we try to teach our kids that everyone's made in the image and likeness of God, but some people make bad decisions. And we try to help them understand the difference between the person and the person's actions, okay, that we try to teach them right from wrong, um, but we also just try to block what comes into the house. <laughs> just create a bubble around them for as long as possible. I, I think very similar to what Katie said, we do a lot of, you know, what we can to to protect them. But then also when things do come across our, you know, come across 
the screen for us or, you know, sometimes you're protecting them and there's a homily that has some hard truths in it that are, has some words that, you know, the four-year-old might not even question or think about, but on the way home from mass, the 12-year-old wants to know what that means, you know? And so I think... I apologize. I, no, <laughs> I, I think God, I think God does that for us and, so that we can have those conversations at the right time. So I believe that all that happens for a reason and that gives us the opportunity to talk with them where they're at and answer the questions that they have so that while protected, we still, we still help introduce and help them form the lens that they're receiving it through rather than just letting them out for the world to um, educate or to put the, the spin that the world wants to have on it for them. Instead of just them being fed information, we're able to talk with them and help them, you know, own it for themselves as well. And I think this is one of the things, and Angela, I'll let you answer that in just a second, but one of the things that I find so positive about homeschooling is in public schools, and there are excellent public schools out there, but you don't always know what your children are hearing, be it from the teachers, be it from other kids, because they're not always going to tell you. So you don't even know what it is that you need to address because they're not always sharing what they're hearing. Whereas for you guys, what you're able to do is decide when they can hear certain things so that you can address them. And I think that is a great positive. Well, one thing I have, well, we all do. We have the advantage of families that have gone before us. So like, for example, since my oldest is only nine, I can go to Katie and be like, okay, so how did you handle this with your daughters when they reached this age? And so it is helpful to have that community. Um, I, I will say that. The other thing is it doesn't matter if your kids go to public school. I know some great families, <clears throat> the Makas, that have incredible kids. I mean, we would all agree that their kids are have an amazing head on their shoulders. Absolutely. And so it's it goes to show that even though we have chosen homeschooling, that it boils down to the parents and how you are forming your children in virtue um, outside of the school setting, aside from just the academics. The other thing um, I want to mention is that I think it's important for both the parents to do it. Uh, you'd mentioned that kind of at the beginning of the show is that it's not just mom saying this because we're learning it in school, but dad being there and then surrounding yourselves with families that have um, similar desires for their children. And, and so you, like, I know I can trust my kids around certain families and it's not to say I'm completely shutting them off from the world because we're called to be in this world, but not of it. And if anybody that knows me well and has asked me about homeschooling, one of the first things I say is we want to keep our children innocent, but not naive. And there is a, there is a distinction there because for example, we go to stand and pray. And this last year was the first time my kids were like, mom, what's abortion? And I was very honest with them. And I was, I was hesitant at first because Kateri, I think was three at the time. And I wasn't sure how to address it with her. And, and as we addressed it, I really 
think because of the simplicity of their minds, the childlike mind, they can process it in a way that's pure. And I think exposing them, like like they said, as it as it comes up, I think that's when God gives you those opportunities to address it with your kids. And the Holy Spirit is incredible. Um, it's it's amazing how many times, and I'm sure they would agree, how many times the Holy Spirit has come through when I have no idea what I'm doing or saying. Another thing, and I have to give a shout out to Helen Postvar because I have a group of mom friends that I messaged some of these questions to. And uh, one thing that she said, she articulated it so beautifully. She said something along the lines of when in this world, we have the disease of nominalism and relativism and uh, secularism and all these things in the world. And we have to inoculate our kids against that. And one of the ways we do that is by um, giving them the faith in all its fullness, its richness, and, and not holding back when it comes to the faith. One of the things that uh, Katie had said earlier was, you know, the emphasis on teaching your children how to think. And I think one of the greatest counteractions to the world around us is having people that can actually logically think to how is this going to end if we follow the path that we're on. And so I think, you know, one of the great benefits of homeschooling, especially in that way, is that even when your children hear things, they can go, no, that absolutely makes no sense. I can't just decide to change reality. It doesn't work. And so, you know, one of the great counteractions to the world around us is an education that teaches our children to logically think. This is why the church has always said, you know, we need faith and reason. Faith alone is not going to help us if we get to the point where I need to be able to understand. And so I think, again, a great benefit to homeschooling is knowing that that's going to happen, which doesn't always happen in other settings. All right. Um, I think we've already talked about this question. How helpful is it to know other parents that homeschool? Very. <laughs> It's crucial. Invaluable. Yes. And it makes it enjoyable. It's helpful. Even just prepping for today, I got ideas from Robin. I got ideas from Angela. We were sharing some of our favorite resources. And we have experience with homeschooling, and yet there's still so much out there for us to learn. So it's great for us as parents. It's beautiful for our children. That and when you get really discouraged or overwhelmed and you're like, I'm really struggling with this. Sometimes you feel like it's just you or just your family and you don't know how to homeschool and how are you ever going to do this? But then the second you talk to one other mom that homeschools, they say, that's me too. That's us every day. And so you, you feel encouraged that, okay, they can do it and they're having similar struggles. Surely we can stay the course. And I think that like you talked about the Holy Spirit, comes through, right? When you feel like you don't have the right words to talk with your children, the Holy Spirit has come through so big for me so many times through you guys and others who have supported me or said they didn't even know they were speaking the truth. That was exactly what I needed to hear mm -hmm. that, that moment, but that's how the Spirit works, you know? And so I think that community is just another way that God's, you know, helps to sustain us. And I think, you know, this is a good lesson for everybody. So often when we talk about listening for the voice of God, we want 
you know, to sit in the chapel and God just, boom, there it is. But that's not how he works 99.9% of the time. He sends us the people that we need to tell us what we need to hear. And what I'm hearing is from you guys is when you're in a place where you need some help, the Holy Spirit sends you the people that have the right information at the right time, in the right way, to help you get through it. Exactly. Um, Mm -hmm. Is there a support group? Is there something you rely on other than each other? Is there like a Bryan College Station homeschooling group or... Well, I can I can start. We are part of our curriculum is classical conversations. So I also have families from classical conversations that we meet with on a weekly basis. So we do our co-op day once a week. And so I have that opportunity to, to interact with those those other moms or those other families and our children interacting with them. It's been a little different with our covid year and a half, but normally uh, you know, that's the case. There are also local groups here. Um, my children, when they were younger, we did a lot at the Community Homeschool Center, and that's still here. There's One Day Academy. I know a lot of families that do One Day Academy. Um, Angela, you're a part of the Catholic homeschool, uh, that group that met Well, Katie had mentioned normally. one um, that I wasn't familiar with, but... Um, it was the Brazos Valley Catholic Homeschool. I, I'm glad to know about it now, and I, I'm going to look into it. Uh, we, this actually started with Kristen Riddle and just a few friends. Like on on Friday, she would send out an email saying, "Hey, we're meeting at this park for whoever wants to show up." It's now any any families. It's not particularly homeschool, but it's still a regular thing on Fridays. And I do want to mention something that Melissa Rhodes is starting. Um, if you don't know who she is, she is Deacon Bill Scamardo's daughter. And she is starting homeschooling this year um, with her two little ones. And she has set up at St. Anthony's, it's called Pray and Play. And it's starting this Friday at 10 a.m. for anyone who wants to come. And her her dad is going to help with it. They're going to do something either in the Rosary Garden or in the Adoration Chapel. And then um, that's the pray part. And then the play part, um, we have permission to use that playground that used to be for um, the daycare there. And we have um, access to a room and a bathroom. The only uh, thing with that is you do have to be EIM certified because we're using church property. So um, I assured her that most of us are EIM certified for one reason or another, but also I know St. Anthony's is about to offer one. Uh, So if you are wanting more information about that, you can contact the radio station, or if you know any of us and have our um, contact information. We can give you more information about that, but it's going to start this Friday, uh, June 3rd at St. Anthony's at 10 a.m. And you can just show up if you already are EIM certified. Hey, Deacon Mike, I was looking up resources since we weren't talking about uh, the central Texas area. And just a quick web search pulled up catholicfamilyeducators.org, which is the uh, Catholic Family Educators of Central Texas. So those people in Waco area. That's a potential resource. Potential resource. No guarantees, but uh, yeah. check it out. Yeah. But there are also, if you're interested in homeschooling, an excellent resource is Texas Homeschool Coalition, and it's thsc.org. Uh, that one's an excellent resource for if I want to homeschool, where do I start? What do I need to do? Um, obviously, they're specific to Texas, but um, Katie has put together an incredible 
resource list that has all of these that we've mentioned and then um, a few more that is going to be put up on the Red Sea website? Yes. So I created a handout for listeners. So don't feel like you have to write these websites down while you're driving. I created a handout that I am now going to go home and update with everything (laughs) we just talked about, but it should be in the show notes or available through the Red Sea Radio website. And it has... um, well, it has a lot of websites here, websites for podcasts, online communities, Catholic home study curriculums, as well as email addresses for these local Google groups that we were talking about. And one other thing I want to mention quickly is that um, I am in the process with one other mom of trying to create a contact list of local Catholic homeschool families. So if you are wanting to be a part of that, please let someone know you can contact one of us or the radio station and we can uh, start we're starting to put together that list now we're running quickly out of time i can't believe how fast the uh, time went by and uh, i'm going to skip one of the questions i had but um, one of the knocks on homeschooling is that it doesn't socialize your children adequately now i've known y'all's kids uh, I know that's not true, but what would you tell someone that says, you know, well, I wouldn't homeschool because, you know, I want my children socialized. I understand why someone who has no experience with homeschooling or has never met a homeschooled student would say that. But after 10 minutes of homeschooling, you know, that's that's just not an issue. I mean, the short list of my kids' involvement is piano, art class, vacation Bible school, ballet, American Heritage Girls, volleyball, baseball, altar serving. Is that enough socialization? Do I need <laughs> to do more? So, and, and that's true for everyone. The challenge is that the parents create these opportunities for socialization. It's not automatic because they're not in school eight hours a day with their peers. So... The, those opportunities, have we have to make that effort as parents. That's just part of the job, and that's okay. But I assure you, homeschool kids have plenty of opportunities, and I think the best part is that they interact not only with peers. Mm-hmm. They interact with kids who are younger, kids who are older, adults. adults. <laughs> I remember hearing uh, someone else, another homeschooling mom years ago, when I was first starting out and I was receiving those, fielding those questions and I was figuring it out for the first time for us. And this mom said, well, when else in life are you around 26 other people that are your exact same age? Mm-hmm. Good, point. Good point. In life, you're with people that are older and wiser. You're with people that are younger. You have to take instruction from the older. You have to teach and help bring along the younger. So that is naturally built into our families. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so they get that socialization, more real world socialization and how it's actually going to look for them when they're out in the real world working or in different groups that they join in college and as young adults. So I think the socialization question, like Katie said, can be easily um, overturned or, you know, proven not not as significant when you just, you know, break it down and and see homeschooling for how it works. Yeah. Anything to add, Angela? Nope. They said it perfectly. Wonderful. Now, we're down to a minute and a half. So very briefly, 
if you would tell me what you would say to someone that's considering beginning to homeschool their children? Don't be afraid. There are plenty of people that are there to help you and don't feel like you have to know it all. Um, and don't be afraid to try it for one year and see if it works and adjust. And, and, and I'd say just jump right in. Be confident. Don't compare yourself to other people and buy the teacher manuals. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with be confident. Trust that the Lord equips you and you and your spouse with exactly what your children need. And don't worry about the big picture in the long run. Angela said, decide on what the education is going to look like for your family, what maybe are your long-term goals for your children and your family, but then don't worry about how it's going to come together because God gives you the grace for the present. He's not giving you, equipping you with the grace for what you need in 10 years. That'll come. Well, thank you all for joining me this morning. I think this was a wonderful discussion. I thank all our listeners for listening to us. Tune in next week. Gene Wilhelm will be your host on the Red Sea Roundup. Remember, until then, when considering the many ways you might share your time, talents, and treasure with the people of God, always round up.